Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week. And while the Eagles fall in the desert, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy. And as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 296. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell about the Eagles and their loss against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday afternoon. What did the tape tell us? How did Jalen Hurts look in his second start? Who stood out on defense? We will discuss it all and look ahead to next week's matchup against the Dallas Cowboys in Chalk Talk. Before we get going with that segment, two quick things that I just want to quickly hit on. If you haven't yet, please jump on the Apple Podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. It's the best way to throw us your support. If you're an Eagles fan, we talk Eagles all season long, all year long right here on the show. And if you throw us a comment on Apple, it really helps make this podcast more visible to more people and therefore makes me happy. So consider it a holiday gift by jumping on, throwing a rating, throwing a comment up there. If you ask a question, we will always answer it here on the show. Also, for those of you who are into the NFL draft, I'm telling you, please go check out the Journey to the Draft podcast as well. We were over there twice a week, every single week, talking NFL draft, talking prospects. Every single week, myself, Ben Fennel, Dane Brugler, Ross Tucker, we are really kicking into high gear. We've been going all season long. Last week, we had a special guest in Dan Orlovsky, an ESPN analyst. You can get that wherever podcasts can be found. Thanks so much to everybody who has thrown us your support on both of those podcast channels. All right, that being said, let's dive into our show right now. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, excited to welcome back here to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast for some Chalk Talk, my friend Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, welcome back, man. Welcome to Week 16. I know. Hey, I'm thrilled, Fran. You know what? I know we're talking about an Eagles loss, but I got to say it was, a, it was a really fun, entertaining game, and I thought there were a lot of good things. Well, obviously, a lot of the big things that people want to hear about will be with the rookie quarterback, Jalen Hurts, making his first start on the road, his second start overall. Uh, big picture takeaways uh, from Jalen Hurts in this game. My big picture takeaway is I thought he played really, really well. Um, we saw the poise and composure again. We saw pocket efficiency. We saw design runs, second reaction scrambles. I thought he was once again decisive with his reads and his throws. And I thought what was really kind of interesting, given that he didn't do this at Oklahoma, and it's it, when I was watching the tape, I was thinking, God, you know, that's pretty impressive. I thought that he got the ball out with timing and rhythm. His ball placement was consistently precise, much better than his tape showed at Oklahoma. Um, so I, I was I was overall impressed with his performance. Yeah, I thought we saw some really good things. And I, to me, um, look, there are, there are two big aspects, I think, when you're looking at Jalen Hurts, and especially from the, the structure of this game. Number one, I thought last week against New Orleans, the, the script of the game, the flow of the game, really played into his favor. Right, we saw. Of course, uh, the, the, we saw the turnover in plus territory. You had the right. big eighty-two yard run by Miles Sanders. You know, the Eagles jump up seventeen nothing. I think with this game, they jump into a sixteen nothing hole. Right, the, the first couple of drives were not good. They were. There was a, it was a, right. a rough start for the Eagles' offense. So seeing him play the way that he did coming out of that sixteen nothing hole 
for sure was something that really kind of take away and really like what I saw. You still saw the ability to extend plays and make plays outside of structure, both with his arm and with his legs. There were a couple of really good scrambles uh, where he hit Zach Ertz for big chunks, um, certainly where he took off on fourth down to move the chains, where he ran into the end zone uh, for a touchdown. Those were all you know good plays, and we expect to see those from Jalen Hurts. The, the step I thought we saw this week was his trust and his ability to make some anticipation throws on isolation routes outside the numbers. Couldn't agree more. And to me, like that, you know, I think there are a couple different levels of anticipation and what you're looking for from a young quarterback and making anticipation throws in traffic in the middle of the field, a little bit different than making one outside the numbers on an isolation route. But I think again, showing things that he did not show at Oklahoma and at Alabama, I don't remember seeing too many of throws, too many throws like that from Jalen Hurts in college. And I think that that's a, certainly a positive sign, certainly for his development moving forward. Yeah, I mean, some of those throws are spot throws based on the route concept. Yep. Right. Like, for instance, the um, the 39-yarder to Jeffrey, which he threw really early, and obviously Kirkpatrick fell down, which made the play better. Uh, it made the run after catch. But that was a spot throw based on the route. But the point is, in the cauldron of the game, he made that throw, and he made it at the right time. I thought even though it was a second reaction play, I thought the Ward four-yard TD on fourth and three yes. was also a great anticipation throw off design movement left. The play design, to me, was a speed out by Ward from the field yeah. slot. One and Ward play. made his route adjustment, and, and but Hurts threw that with anticipation. Um, now, certain things happened in the game that, you know, I think helped the Eagles. I mean, you know, you're calling a give-up screen to Watkins, and it goes for a 32-yard touchdown. And that obviously helped things a lot. But that's separate from how Jalen Hurts played, uh, because, as you know, I always isolate the quarterback from the things that actually happen in the game. And I thought if you isolate his play, he played at a pretty high level for a quarterback in his second start down 16 nothing. The, the one play, I would say, if we're going to talk like negatives and areas of growth, you know, I talked about the anticipation outside the numbers and how that differs from anticipation and traffic in the middle of the field. And I think that there was one good example of that late in the game. Uh, it was, I believe, the second to last drive. The Eagles had moved the ball into the red zone, and it was the first of two consecutive sacks that, yes. that got the Eagles out of scoring range, and then they ended up turning the ball over on downs. He's working to his left. The middle linebacker, Jordan Hicks, he opens to that side. The whole thing was designed to for them to him in rhythm turn and hit Alshon Jeffrey over the middle of the field in rhythm, and he just didn't, for whatever reason, just didn't pull the trigger, tucks the ball, and takes the sack. Those are the kind of plays from a you know from a processing standpoint that you just want to see him continue to feel a little bit more comfortable with yeah. moving forward. And that was again without knowing everything the way they coach him. Right. That was the one play that did stand out because he broke down in the pocket. There were three minutes remaining. They were trailing by seven. He, um, I think he perceived backside pressure. Now that that's my that was my sense watching the tape, and. Um, he left the throw to Jeffrey on the field on the inbreaker, you know, and then because he had time to make that throw, yep. but you're right. That's a learning play. Yeah. I think that's certainly one uh, where you look you know, that he would certainly like to have back. Um, yeah. But overall, uh, I thought that we saw some really good things uh, from Jalen in this game. Uh, you know, the run game was not hitting to the level uh, that they would have put, you know, Miles Sanders no. had a solid game, but I thought the offensive line got some good movement up front in the run game. To me, one of my favorite elements of this game were all the different things they did off of that split split zone flow action, Greg, where um, you know you have the tight, or just real quick to paint the picture for the listeners, 
where you have an inside zone run. So the offensive line blocking one direction, the tight end comes back and blocks the defensive end on the opposite side. That's been a staple of the Eagles run game for a long, long time. That's a staple of every team that has a quarterback that can run. That's in the shotgun. It's just inside zone. Absolutely. So, and so what I thought we saw uh, early and often from the Eagles, we saw, uh, you know, they threw the orbit in there with it to hold the backside linebacker. Right. We saw the, the action off the screen. They tried throwing the, or giving the orbit over to Rager. That ended up in a 10 yard loss, but either way, I thought that they did some good things, you know, to kind of sequence those plays, complement those plays, um, you know, and that, to me, that's just a good example of just the creativity, especially in the run game. Uh, and hats off to, to Jeff Stoutland and Deuce Staley uh, for putting that together. I thought it was uh, another example of just some re- really good stuff from the Eagles game plan. Yeah, and it's funny because leading up to the game, I thought there'd be a lot of misdirection elements. Uh, and particularly against this particular defense, which is a fast flow defense. This is a defense with a lot of speed. So I thought you'd see a lot of those misdirection type elements off basic plays. And we see that with a lot of teams in the league. It's it's just smart coaching. It's a good way to take a basic play and create indecision for the defense. You're trying to grab the eyes of defenders and create uncertainty. Yeah, I think that that's uh, spot on in terms of what the, the goal is there. Um from a, a wide receiver standpoint, I thought we saw so it was good to see Quez Watkins. I know Greg that you, uh, you you know you were you watched Quez Watkins in college. You saw that speed. Uh, you know you saw that game breaking ability. Him kind of turning, making something out of nothing there, a yep. broken play essentially, uh, and taking off down the left sideline. Uh, and his second career touch, uh, pretty cool to see Quez Watkins, uh, a sixth round pick rookie, come through and uh, make yeah. a play like that down the sideline. No, no, and, and obviously, as we mentioned, that was a give-up play, and and because Drake Kirkpatrick decided he was going to jump inside, uh, it became a touchdown, but uh, hey, you take those, but we right. definitely saw the speed, and again, he played over 20 snaps this week, so he's clearly, in, in the minds of the coaching staff, worthy of being out on the field now. Yeah, I think that you're starting to see that speed, uh, you know, really kind of uh, come to fruition. I mean, with a lot of young players, they're not always playing fast early on, but I think, you know, as you're starting to see that comfort level uh, with Quez Watkins. Remember, he started the season off uh, with an injury and was a little bit slow to bounce back from that, but uh, certainly uh, starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, I, I got to tell you, too, and I know the numbers might not have reflected it, Yeah. Uh, but I thought Jalen Rager looked explosive just watching him move in this game. I know he only had, what, five for 49? I mean, the numbers don't necessarily reflect that. Oh my God, he was unbelievable, but they did throw some vertical balls to him. I thought he just looked quicker in this game, kind of the way he looked in college. And certainly on that, on that screen that was on third and lo- third and a mile and he goes 23 yards. Another uh, one, saw, another give up play, yep. another give up play. And they got 23 yards setting up the fourth and six and then ended up being a touchdown drive. Ended up being a touchdown because on the very next play it was fourth and six and Hertz takes off, you know, moves the chains and then they keep moving down the field yeah. and uh, end up scoring. But uh, yeah, I thought we saw a little bit of giddy up there um, from Jalen Rager. Uh, let's go over to the the defensive side. Actually, no, real quick. Um, this is all, somewhat. I mean, it's not going to be breaking news for those that are listening to it. But uh, the Eagles just announced that they they have three Pro Bowl players. Uh, I hate Pro Bowlers, by the way. Pro Bowlers are guys that roll a ball down and knock some pins down. I know. Pro Bowl players uh, got announced uh, for the team this year. Jason Kelsey being one of them. So you've got uh, Jason Kelsey, the alone offensive lineman standing uh, from the starting lineup to start the season. Uh, he got named to the Pro Bowl. Fletcher Cox named to the Pro Bowl. And then Brandon Graham, well, which is number one is it was awesome because I'm so happy for BJ, his first ever uh, Pro yeah. Bowl. Um, well, well deserved and you know overdue a little bit uh, with BG. But glad to see all three of those guys uh, get named to the Pro Bowl. Um, real quickly, just on the offensive line before we move over to the defense, uh, what did you think of, of Jordan Mailata? What did you think of uh, some of the young guys that were playing up front for the Eagles in this game? Any any takeaways? You know, 
I, I got to tell you, I wasn't studying them probably in the same detail you do, but overall, I, I felt like it was solid because I didn't come away going, wow, there were some really bad plays here. It, you know, they looked like a, a pro offensive line, looked like an NFL offensive line. Now, there were some sacks, of course. Um, you know, and I think when you play the Cardinals, they do some really good things. They had a couple of, uh, of, of um, uh, stunts that were really effective. But I mean, I think overall it was a solid performance. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that overall, um, you know, Jordan Mailata continuing to just look more and more comfortable. Yeah, to me, I like would he, agree. he is, uh, especially in the run game. I mean, he he is really fun to watch. I mean, just the way that he comes off the ball uh, and is able to generate some movement. I thought he did a really good job. He got, he's got the multiple defenders on the ground in the game, and it's just overall. I mentioned it earlier. I thought the double teams worked really well in this game. Whether it was Sayamalo and Kelsey, whether it was Kelsey and Herbig, whether it was Pryor and Herbig, I thought they got some really good movement against. Uh, albeit it's a banged up Arizona defensive line. They they weren't running with all their horses either up front, but. Uh, uh, obviously, the Eagles are not either. So it was good to just see um, the Eagles get some movement there along the offensive line. Uh, Miles Sanders, I thought, was was solid in this game. It oh, no, I thought he ran hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the yards weren't there. But I think over the last month or so, he's been decisive and he's run hard. Yeah, I think that um, you know we saw so you know, certainly some good things um, from Miles in this game. The one Let's play, go. it's funny. You talk uh, about plays maybe, you know, you'd love to have back. And this this was not a terrible one by any stretch. But I mentioned Rager, and and the one play that that really stood out to me was when you ran by Peterson on the post route on the second play of the second quarter. Right. You, yep. You remember the play I'm talking sure. about? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And Hertz made the right read because it was cover four, um, but he just underthrew it. And I wonder if you know if he would say you know if you got him with truth serum that because Golden drove back Sayamalu into the pocket as the looper on that TE stunt. I wonder if that impacted the throw because that ball was just a hair underthrown. You know, if it was just out two more yards, that's a touchdown. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a good one. Actually, I'm glad that you brought that play up because that's one. Uh, I mean, I Rager just ran nice. right by Peterson. Now, Peterson's playing with outside technique yep. because it is cover four, but they had a nice route concept to eat up the uh, the the safety to that side. I forget it might have been Ertz or Goddard. I forget it was, it was, uh, it was Goddard running the inbreaker. They ran a little high low concept in the middle, right, of the right, field, which right. Was not, which was nice in its own. I mean, you had, right. that was a nice little two man concept, but uh, yeah. working to beat quarters as a full field concept, I thought that worked really well. Yeah, and and it was one of those plays. I mean, uh, obviously, I saw it live on TV, but then when I was watching the tape today, I saw it. Man, he just ran right by Peterson Rager. So that that was one of the plays that made me think, man, he's he's starting to look more explosive, kind of the way he did in college. Um, let's go over to the defensive side, and I thought, look, the you know in the secondary, a lot of new names, right? We saw Michael Jaquette, we saw yeah. Seymour, we saw a lot of guys playing. Those guys play hard. Real quick, Greg. The defensive line, especially those three defensive tackles, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson, this was like their, one of their best overall games. I thought those guys were so disruptive, uh, whether it was run game, pass game, they played with such great energy. I was really, really impressed by that trio in particular in this game. Yeah, no, I think the D-line is playing at a really, really high level. And, and you know, I think we expect that. Um, and obviously that'll be a, a big factor this week as well. And we'll get to that. But I, I got to tell you, I was... I was pretty impressed with some of the guys that, you know, like I thought Michael Jaquette really battled. I mean, we can sit he here did. and say yes. he gave up the the 44-yarder, I think it was, to uh, to Hopkins and then the touchdown to Hopkins. But th to me, and I think I mentioned him to you the first time he played. Remember I mentioned him yeah. to you? Dallas. That, yep. That, ironically, against Dallas. Correct. That I saw something. Because don't forget, this kid was a high school quarterback 
went to Louisiana, played wide receiver his first two seasons, was switched to corner in his redshirt junior year, then as a redshirt senior was all was uh, all second team Sun Belt, and now he's playing in the NFL. And in his first start, and by the way, he played every snap. In his first start, he's he's playing right corner, and he's predominantly matching up to DeAndre Hopkins because in the air raid. Receivers usually play one side. It's not 100%. And Hopkins is is 90% of the time lining up on the left side of the formation. So in his first NFL start, he gets DeAndre Hopkins. And I thought the kid battled. He's got length. He's got some movement. I mean, I wouldn't say that he's super fluid in his hips, but he's got length. He's a pretty good athlete. I was impressed with him. I thought that he competed really well. And I thought here's the thing that stood out to me, both with him and with Kevon Seymour. There weren't blown coverages and blo- and missed assignments. It wasn't a like, oh man, like these guys are just uh, they're they're you know they're completely uh, no not uh, at fish all out of, fish out of water at this point. Even the play, it was the deep post to Hopkins. There was in the first half. Seymour made that was actually a really good play by Seymour. That was great recognizing it because it was cover three, and then he overlapped the post because Epps jumped the crosser. It was a post cross combination that everybody runs, and that's the way you teach it. If the safety is going to jump the crosser, then the the backside corner once that crosser disappears, he's got to overlap the post. Yep, and that was just DeAndre Hopkins being DeAndre Hopkins. Seymour did the right thing. Yeah, I think that when uh, you, know, you look at how a lot of corners have played that around the league, and even here in Philadelphia over the last few years, he played that as well as anybody. He just didn't have the the giddy up to necessarily go and track it, but he got there right as the ball got there, and, it, and Hopkins just made a, a DeAndre Hopkins play. Um, yeah. It was an outstanding play, outstanding catch, the catch. No, play, it's but- funny to say that. I guess blown coverages, if you want to call them that, um, and they were not by the young guys. One was uh, was Mills on the Williams 42-yarder. Um and I understand why he blew it, but it, he technically blew it. And then the Edmund six-yard TD reception was also a tough deal, but Singleton kind of blew Singleton that. Singleton got washed out. Yep, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Edmonds came through the line of scrimmage. That's tough. And it, he just didn't recognize him. But – you know, quickly enough, but, but, you know, those are tough plays, you know, the, the Mills play um, Williams initially showed pass protection. So Mills figured, okay, he's, he's going to block. And then he, he abandoned his responsibility. But for the most part, those young guys in the secondary, I thought they competed and they didn't make mistakes. hundred percent agree. It, it was great to see uh, those guys compete at the level that they did. Um, I thought the linebackers were, were flowing from sideline to sideline. You know, the defensive line, as I mentioned, I thought was really impressive. Um, you know, look, the, at the end of the day, the defense gave up 400 plus yards. Uh, you know the, the amount of points they give up, not ideal. Um, but right, but they also had a couple. They had the short field on the block. Exactly. Con. I mean, yes. I don't think, in all honesty, and I know there were some big pass. I, I know that, but I would say that the Eagles' pressure and coverage approach, because they didn't blitz much, played to their personnel in the secondary. I thought the game plan was a strong one. Yeah. And even though they gave up yards, Fran, I didn't come away thinking, "Oh my God, they're just getting." just ripped apart i did not think it was a terrible performance despite the yardage i would agree, i would agree with that um you know I, I i definitely agree with uh with what you said there so let me ask you this now Let, let's bring this now into this week against uh in a, in a must win game against the dallas cowboys the eagles need to win uh on sunday they need a little bit of help from carolina as well to stay alive but uh let's bring this into this matchup because i think it's interesting it's obviously the second time that these two teams have met both teams very different than they were in week eight. Oh my uh, God. Where's Ben Benucci when you need him? Yeah, very, very different than they were in week eight. So uh, let's kind of get into this matchup and, and talk through it. 
we'll talk from the from an Eagles offense against Cowboys defense standpoint. The defense not playing particularly, not as poor as they were in the middle of the season. Obviously, they're not. Uh, no, you know, they're, they're a not little the, better right now. A little bit better, you know. And so I'm interested to get your thoughts on how you feel they will try and uh, contain Jalen Hurts, knowing what how they like to play, uh, play how they like to deploy their personnel. How do you view their potential game plan to limit Jalen Hurts in this matchup? Well, you know that comes down to down in distance and situational football. I mean, this is a team that. You know, I think they'll play a lot of zone. I think they'll play a lot of split safety. Um, you'll certainly see some single high. Obviously, they do that. Um, we don't know about Xavier Woods. He left the game this week with a chest injury, did not return. We don't know about Vander Esch. Um, he left the game. You know, so we're speaking on a Monday night, Fran, so we don't know the answer to those questions at this point. But, you know, I think that, you know, we'll see how they match up to when the Eagles play 12 personnel. Uh, Eagles played a meaningful amount of 12 this week. Their 12 personnel normally, even though they're running the ball more, the big question is, will the Cowboys play with 5D linemen? Because that's something they've done over the last month or so when they played against base personnel. They've played with 5D linemen. Now, sometimes they even align Armstrong as as almost a stack backer, but he's technically a D lineman. So that's something we've seen a lot of and be curious to see if they do that. Um, I think when you get to third down situations, I think they will put themselves in a position where it might not be an outright spy, but I think they'll put themselves in a situation where they either have an underneath lurk defender or the, or they will play a robber coverage where they have a, a safety be a robber. I yep. think they'll do that um, because Hertz has shown that he's going to make plays with his legs, second reaction plays leaving the pocket. I think that when, you know, going back, I studied uh, their games against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, Arizona and Kyler Murray, Seattle and Russell Wilson. Uh, I think that that, that, especially on third down, uh, you know, using that cover one robber or the cover one lurk, whether it's whether that's Xavier Woods or Darian Thompson or if it's Jalen Smith, somebody I feel like they're going to have somebody there in the middle of the field uh, kind of lurking and waiting to see to kind of track. Jalen Hurts from sideline to sideline. That would be my guess because I feel like when you looked at uh, a lot of his biggest plays in this game, a lot of them came where Arizona wasn't in those kind of, you know, the the, the five-man, pre- that that touchdown, um, you know, the touchdown run in the red zone on first and goal came on a five-man pressure cover one where the only, the only guy that wasn't playing man-to-man was Buda Baker in the post. Uh, you know, and he just kind of took off, took the green grass that was there and uh, was able to get into the end zone, broke the tackle and got in. So I, I think that, you know, if I had to guess, I would say that Dallas, yeah, if they're not playing zone coverage with eyes on the quarterback, they'll be playing with some kind of uh, yeah, robber alert player in the middle of the field. And, and one thing I think you have to be aware of when you play them, and, you know, Jalen is still a young quarterback and the Cowboys are good at this, is um, Jordan Lewis is a very good blitzer from the slot. Yep. And they use him that way. And there's a couple of tells you know, and and I think you have to try to get them to to show the tell because one thing, and I've learned this over the years from talking to coaches, very often, Fran, if let's say it's twins or trips, you have two receivers to one side or three receivers to one side. If you motion one of them across the formation, and the slot corner does not go with them, very often he'll be blitzing. Right. Yep. That's a tell. Now that's not a, nothing's a hundred percent in this league. But that's a tell. So if you're the Eagles, you, I would love to see them do that so they get a sense, hey, is, is Lewis going to run across the formation or is Lewis going to stay? In fact, Lewis had a sack this week on just that kind of play. That's right. The Niners motioned, I forget what receiver, but they mo- they were in twins to one side 
two receivers to one side. They motioned one of them across the formation, and Jordan Lewis did not go with him. And he blitzed, and no one picked up Lewis, and he sacked Nick Mullins. Mm. Yeah, I think that's uh, and that's something obviously that they have done uh, against the Eagles over the last couple of years. Oh no, years. we saw them do it with uh the, he sacked Carson Wentz was it last year? Yeah, it was, last year. it was last down, year. It was that last year down in Dallas. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's something certainly to keep an eye out for uh in this game. Talk about some of the matchups you expect out, out in the Predator. Obviously they're not a, a shadow team. Trayvon Diggs uh He's had back two picks. Now, though. Yeah, he had two picks yeah. the last time these two teams played. So, um just thoughts overall on the the personnel in the secondary and kind of uh status report on that group. Well, they don't match up. So yep. what you'll see is you'll see a woozy at left corner. Diggs, if he if he's back, you know, at full strength, he was the starter. He would play right corner. Uh, he rotated with Brown this week, probably because it was his first game back. So I assume he'll he'll be the right corner this week. Um, and as I said, a woozy is the left corner. Um, they're a high percentage nickel defense, Fran, as you know. I mean, they play about 70% of their defensive snaps at a nickel. Yep. And I would expect them to play a lot at a nickel because both Goddard and Ertz are really good receivers. And I would think that they'll play nickel even in normal down and distance situations. When so they, that's one thing I would expect. When they do go, if they're in nickel and they uh, and they do play man-to-man, if they're going to go with the, the one robber, uh, who is their tight end match? Matchup guy more often than not, off the top of your head. Well, Lewis would play one of them. Yeah. Um, and then the other, uh, then you get into if it, you know, if Woods is out, then you're dealing with Wilson and Thompson. I don't know how they would see that because it hasn't been that situation. Right. So um what's your sense? Do you remember Thompson? He is he's the Boise State kid? He is the Boise State kid, yep. Yeah, I'm trying to remember him. I did him coming out, but I can't remember exactly. Do you remember him well? I don't I don't see him as a as a man-to-man defender on the tight end. No, I mean, I think that honestly, looking at how the the team is set up, he might end up having to be that guy. It yeah. might not be an ideal scenario for them, but yeah. I don't think that they want uh Smith one on one on against tight end. They might put no. Vander Esch uh at times, would be my guess. But um no, I think that they, the way that they're playing, I think that it's, it's probably a lean towards Thompson. Yeah, I mean, or, or Wilson. I mean, it's one yeah. of the two. Yeah. I don't, first of all, we don't know if Van Der Esch goes, but I don't think right. Van Der Esch, to me, he's not a good matchup on either one of the Eagles' tight ends. Yep. Um, and then from a, a front standpoint, Demarcus Lawrence, they bounce him back and forth between left and right end. It's not the same as uh, as it used to be in, in years past. Uh, Neville Gallimore, uh, the young the young kid from you know, Oklahoma. He's flashed the last couple he of weeks. He has, yes. Yeah. He, he's done some nice things. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you what, what you've seen from him, rookie third-round pick, former teammate of uh, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. No, I mean, he's flashed. I, you know, again, he, it's, it's um, I'm not studying him on every snap, obviously, but I've seen the Cowboys defense quite a bit over the last month or so, and he's showing up. You know, he's uh, – He's got pretty good quickness. I liked him coming out of Oklahoma. Um, you know, again, guys like that, I didn't think he, you know, he's going to be Aaron Donald or anything like that. But I, you know, he's got he's got good quickness for his body type, and he's getting more and more snaps. He's starting now, and he's getting more and more snaps. And it, you know, he's he he can show some quickness and, and burst inside. Uh, now that I mentioned, I mean, between Neville Gallimore, uh, he played with Jalen Hurts last year. You look at um, C.D. Lamb, obviously played with Jalen Hurts last right, year in right. Oklahoma. Uh, Trayvon Diggs uh, played with uh, with Jalen Hurts at Alabama. Uh, there's some uh, there's some ties there for Jalen Hurts and some. Well, you know, that- oh, it's funny, but ha- Oklahoma and Alabama guys, a lot of them usually do end up in the NFL. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a little <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit of a pipeline there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those programs. Um, let's go over to the opposite side. Let's go to uh, to the Dallas offense. And as you mentioned. 
a little bit different situation with Ben DiNucci, a quarterback in week eight, as opposed to where they are with Andy Dalton over the last five weeks. Uh, He was signed this offseason to be the backup. He is now in there as a starter, obviously, with Dak Prescott out of the lineup. Interesting to kind of get your thoughts on on where this offense is with Andy Dalton under center. You know, to me, uh, Dalton is a little bit of a cautious, risk-averse quarterback. He's not... He's not going to drive the ball down the field. He'll more often take short throws and checkdowns. Now, he'll push it down the field on orchestrated shot plays or designed vertical route concepts if they're there. But I don't think he's a natural turn-a-loose thrower. Um, and again, you, you can't say, okay, he's not going to do that. But that's not the way he plays the position. Um, obviously, Elliot was out this week. Uh, I think he was close to playing, so I assume he'll be back this week. Uh you know, I don't think he's the same player he's been over the last number of years. So I think they almost have a little bit of a rotation now with Elliot and Pollard, much more so than we've seen in the past. Yep. Um, look, we know that the main issue in this game, once again, is going to be the Eagles D-line. Because the Cowboys O-line, when you go from left to right, um, and these are not going to be household names, it's Knight, Williams, Looney, McGovern, and Steele. And this is where the Eagles must dominate once again. Yeah, I mean, they, they want to get the ball out quickly. And that's yep. been the case with uh, with Dak Prescott. Again, and they wanted to get the ball out fast. But especially with the issues they've got up front, that ball is going to get out of Andy Dalton's hand fast. So they've got to find ways to be able to disrupt the timing of the pass game, give the offense or give the defensive line rather time to be able to get home, win those one-on-ones. And uh, at times the defensive line is going to win, have to win extra quick to impact the quarterback. As yeah. Well. Um, yeah. I think when you look so, at those matchups across the board, you like them, you like them in the Eagles favor for sure. Without question. And once again, you know, maybe I'm his number one, uh, you know, member in the fan club, uh, Singleton, I thought, played well. I mean, we mentioned a play where, you know, he he just didn't see it. But overall, that kid plays with energy, competitiveness, athleticism. You know, uh, um, he missed two snaps this week. So I guess, you know, he's not ready. But uh, <laughs> but he, he's been playing, I think, really, really well. Um, the big question is who's going to play opposite? Slay will be back. So who's going to play guess, opposite yeah. Slay? Good question. Is it going to be Seymour or is it going to be uh, is it, is it going to be Jaquette? I mean, that's the that's the big question. It'll be something interesting, certainly uh, to follow here. Uh, you know, certainly Jaquette, a young player. Seymour, uh, you know, hasn't played in a couple of years, but he's a vet. He's played in this league, so it'll be interesting to see ultimately. And the other factor too there. is we know Gallup got hurt. Now apparently the injury is not serious, so I, I imagine because the game's important that he'll go. Um, but they've got good size at wide receiver, so yep. it could well be Jaquette. Because Jaquette's, you know, over six feet. Sure. Yeah, I think that's uh, the, something to certainly watch. Well, I'm sure, look, we're recording this on Monday night. We might get a little bit of insight into that as the week goes on. But uh, then again, maybe not. We'll, so we'll, get a, we'll right. see if, uh, if they uh, shed some light there on that situation. But talk real quickly. You talk about the, the Gallup injury. But uh, C.D. Lamb uh, starting to produce. We saw him return that onside kick for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he's been he's been producing since basically week one uh, down there for Dallas. Uh, overall thoughts just on he, Amari Cooper, uh, the tight end, Dalton Schultz, a part of the passing game as well, uh, just on those pass catchers for Dalton. You know, I don't know what to make of Amari Cooper now. This has been going on for years. He always ends up with good numbers. But I just, when I watch the Cowboys on a weekly basis and their offense, I just don't feel like he's that guy that every week is is one of those guys. I don't know what you feel. And I can't put my finger on it as to why. He's obviously very talented. You know, when you just look at sheer talent with size and movement. But I just, you know, yeah, I, I, 
I don't put him, you know, when I look at the Julio Jones or the DeAndre Hopkins or the Devontae Adams. Right. I don't think he's in that conversation. But to me, by any stretch of the imagination, even though you'd look at his size and his movement and say he should be in that conversation. What is the that that line of delineation there for you in your mind? When you're not I, just, and even I'm not even saying like with Cooper, but with like the guys that make up that top shelf of receiver. Like, is there a a benchmark that a guy has to clear in your mind for them well, to consider the be top shelf? That's a tough question to answer because there are games in which he's not targeted a lot, and again, right. he can't throw it to himself. And now you get into how they run their offense and play design and all that, but. There are games in which he's targeted a lot and other games he's targeted four times. You know, Devontae Adams will never be targeted four times. Right. Julio Jones will not be targeted four times. Devontae, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins won't be targeted four times. So I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. You know, and just because they have other good receivers, I don't know. But I, I just feel like given Cooper's talent level, he did he does not play as a dominant big-time receiver on a week-to-week basis. It may be through no fault of his own. Like I said, I can't answer that. Well, maybe that's a, a big-picture conversation about the receiver position we can have uh, this offseason. But, yeah. Greg, thanks so much for joining us once again here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We will talk to you next week. All right, Fran, thanks. Experience the fastest internet and more in a snap. With Xfinity XFi, you get the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. Xfinity, proud partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Great stuff from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. And you know I really appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That's one way to support this show, but the other way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out today to someone that did exactly that. Left a rating, left a question. PhillyFan-AFS left us a five-star review on our Apple Podcast page saying, Hi, friend. Really enjoy your podcast. I also enjoy listening to the Journey to Draft so I can get a better idea of all the college prospects. I was wondering, if you have an episode about the evolution of offensive and defensive schemes, I love history, so I think it would be interesting to know where all the concepts we see today come from. Keep up the great work and go birds. Thanks so much uh, to Philly fan for that question. Listen, throughout the offseason, I mentioned earlier, one of the things we like to do is not only do we talk Eagles all year long, but we love talking about X's and O's and strategy and different themes around the game all through the offseason. And one of the things that I do like to do as well is look back at all specific schemes and, and things of that nature. So for sure, we will be doing those kinds of things this offseason, so make sure you stay subscribed throughout the course of January, February, March, April. We put stuff out all season long, We're not just once a week, but twice a week, so make sure you are tuned in right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll be breaking a lot of that stuff down. Philly fan, I'm glad that you asked specifically about that, and I'll just give you one little suggestion. We just finished our conversation with Greg Cosell, and Greg was involved with a book that came out a handful of years ago. It might be close to 10 years ago now at this point already, um, but it was called The Games That Changed the game, and it was a book that he wrote with Ron Jaworski, and it might uh, give you a little bit of uh, you know some insight into some of those schemes that are important now, and we kind of take for granted. But there was a specific moment in time where that kind of flipped the fortune of the NFL uh, moving forward. And so go check out uh, that book. I'll give those guys a, a free little plug um, because it was a, a, one of my favorite books that I've read from an X's and O's standpoint. You can go check that out uh, wherever books can be found. But uh, Philly fan, great question. Special thanks to you, and special thanks as well to Greg and all of you out there for your continued support of this show 
show and all the rest of our podcasts here at Eagles Entertainment. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week. Give the gift of Eagles Virtual Youth Clinics, now offering unique two-day football and cheer programs live on December 29th and 30th. Register today at PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash clinics.